Welcome to our weekly three-minute therapy podcast with me, Dr. Michael Edelstein, clinical psychologist, and with my co-host, Mick Berry, REBT expert. REBT is Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, devised by Albert Ellis in the 1950s, which says that our emotions come from our thinking, not from situations directly the thinking about situations that cause our emotions. And when we have disturbed emotions, they come from making our preferences into must. Because I prefer to have your love and approval, therefore I must have your love and approval. Because I prefer you to treat me well, therefore you absolutely must treat me well. And then the third must is a conditions uh, a demand on the conditions of one's life because I prefer my life to be fair, easy, and hassle-free. Therefore, it absolutely must be fair, easy, and hassle-free. So if you have disturbed emotions or behavior, look for the must, look for the demand, and question, challenge, and uproot your demands because all demands are fictions. There's nothing that must be. There are just your human subjective preferences. That's the theory that we base our uh, podcasts on. And today, we're going to be discussing competing preferences. So we often have competing preferences. For example, someone who has a compulsive drinking problem and is trying to give up drinking uh, might think, I'd like to have a drink right now, but my better self-helping preference would be not to have a drink. But if I take my self-defeating preference and make it into a must, because I have the urge for drink, therefore I absolutely must, then I'm going to lead to drinking and I'm going to uh, continue down my alcoholic ways. So it's better to give up your must and weigh the preferences. Look what Look at what the self-helping preferences, the better one, the, mal the one that's uh, adaptive, and go with that. Mick, did you want to add more to that? Yeah, you remind me of what I did the other night, uh, and it's somewhat speculative. I don't drink very much at all, so I don't have a problem with drinking, never have. But the other night, uh, I like to get sleep, and I noticed one night I didn't get sleep, and I think I'm I thought it might have been because I had some dessert, which had sugar in it. And the other night I was thinking of having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but it was late at night. I thought, no, let me forego the jelly because it's got sugar in it. And I'll put on a banana on the sandwich instead. And it tasted sweet and it was okay. And I slept really well. Now, I don't know if the sugar kept me up or not, but I was at least, I was able to conclude I don't know if the sugar will keep me up, but if I don't have sugar, I know that it won't be sugar that's making me lose sleep if I lose sleep. So I was able to apply it there by thinking it through and saying it's better, probably better. At least I won't be feeding the possibility, literally, of having in, ingesting sugar and losing sleep. So that was a, an example of me employing exactly what you're talking about. One of the ways I employ it is through penalties. For example, I have a goal to get to bed by 10 o'clock at night, 
And I have a penalty set up with a friend. And if I don't get to bed at 10, I send her uh, $5. So uh, that weights my self-helping preference toward doing what's best for me, because not only if I don't get to bed at 10, do I get less sleep, but if I don't get to bed at 10, I lose $5. So I use that. That you might call that cheating, but that's that's uh, often how I get myself to engage in self-helping preferences when I have other temptations. Mick, yeah, and I think what you're doing there is you're making the penalty visceral and immediate because there is a penalty for not getting to bed at ten o'clock, which you won't uh, sleep as well as you want, or whatever else your goal is for getting to bed at ten. There is. A detrimental effect to that, but you're making the detrimental effect very pronounced and very <clears throat> experiential and immediate. And so I think that's what you're doing. You're aiding your cause here by making the penalty vivid on top of the actual penalty of not achieving your goals by not getting to bed at 10. Yes. And as you correctly said, making it immediate, because if I don't get to bed at 10, the penalty really is in the morning when it's hard to get up. But if I have that penalty at, in the moment that I remind myself of, then it is immediate, as you said. So uh, uh, you can, uh, you viewers can use this with yourself to uh, work with competing preferences, make yourself helping preferences more uh, immediate and more likely to, uh, be part of your life, Mick. Yeah, and I was going to say the thing is with changing habits, I was going to say breaking habits, but whatever we want to call it, it can take several stabs at it. And with drinking, I know that several people who have had a problem with drinking, several people I know, it took them several stabs at it. So it's best to not conclude that if you don't succeed once, you never can do it. Uh, several people find their different things that help them. And what REBT is doing is simply offering another means which can hopefully help people. But in order to change our bad habits, it takes repeated attempts. And I know with my own bad thinking, which made me depressed, it took me continual, continual effort and going after it in order to be able to overcome the bad thinking I ha habits I had, which made me depressed. And even right. now, and I stay on top of it. And by going after it, you probably mean going after the must, the demands, questioning, challenging, contradicting the must, and remind yourself there are no musts. There's nothing I must do right now. Let me choose between the better behaviors and go with those rather better. than my must. Yeah, the better thinking in the case of being depressed. Yeah, right, exactly. Although there are certain things I suppose I can do which would contribute to depression. If I do things that aren't that good for me, it would then create a situation that I'm unhappy with, and it would be easier to become depressed because I have to deal with an unhappy situation. Right, right. Yeah. But it's still how I think about the unhappy situation. It's something I've discussed with my sister, developing higher frustration tolerance 
The thing is, when we develop higher frustration tolerance, we can make decisions in our life which create a life create a life that has many more enjoyable situations so that if my frustration tolerance is low, what ends up happening is often I will not do the thing that's best for me and my life becomes more complicated and more difficult. And then I have even more frustration. And so the best thing about developing higher frustration tolerance is it makes our life easier. The goal is not to become this superhero of high frustration tolerance, but to be able to enjoy our lives as much as we can. As my therapist Emmett Velton once put it, Albert Ellis says the purpose of life is to have a ball. Another uh, technique I use uh, to help to help me do work on the self-helping behaviors, which I discuss in my book, Three Minute Therapy, I call no future regrets. So sometimes I can think of my competing preferences and think, well, how would I feel tomorrow looking back on what I did today? And often tomorrow in the light of day when I'm not pulled in by uh, the, the competing preferences, I can remind myself, well, tomorrow, if I got to bed on time today, then I would feel much better. Or if I didn't have that extra drink today, look, looking back on yesterday, I uh, would feel much better looking back on it. So uh, that's called no future regrets. Mick? Yeah. And I was just going to say, I once heard Albert Ellis say, we are hedonists. And that often confuses people. But what we're talking about is long-term hedonism. What will make us the happiest in the long run and often people think well that means just being completely selfish but it doesn't there's a man named robert ingersoll who said something along the lines of the time to be happy is now the way to be happy is to make others so and speaking of others another advantage of acting more reasonably in your life you can be a good role model for others friends, and people who are close to you. Mick, did you want to have one last word? Oh, it's interesting. I was just talking with my sister, no, a friend about this, uh, who's in a difficult relationship, and he finds that his partner is quite uh, uh, irrational at times. And he said to me, do you think that, uh, and I said, well, you know, you cannot control somebody else's irrationality. And he said, what do you think? As I become more rational, there's more of a chance of her becoming more rational. I said, yes, absolutely. And even if she doesn't become more rational, it's always to your benefit to become rational. But you can bet if you're irrational, you are creating a situation which is harder for her. And often people see their partner dealing with things better and they are inspired to start dealing with things better themselves. It's not guaranteed, but if there's a way to influence somebody else becoming rational, I think the best way is to become as rational as we can. Okay, very good point. Okay, uh, thanks for watching this episode of the Three Minute Therapy podcast. And I'd like to thank you, Mick, for being an able co-host. I'd like to thank Chris Rossini for being an able tech engineer. And comment below if you have thoughts or give us a thumbs up if you learned something from this.
suggest subjects you would like us to discuss in the future, uh, volunteer to be a guest, and we could talk to you on the podcast. I do uh, teletherapy with clients, so that's another option. And subscribe to the Three Minute Therapy podcast to do what, Mick? To stay on the rational side of life.